I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, today joined by uh, somebody I used to do a show with, somebody who was freaking killing it in his on his corner, uh, somebody who I always wait too long to talk to um, anyway, and that is, once again, the case here, Adam Mattis of DNVR. Uh, how you doing, bud? Oh, I'm just, um, what did you say, handling my corner. I'm just working my corner, man. Hey, look, we all have our corners. Your Your corner seems a lot more fun than mine. Mine is like a lot more stressful. It's just, you know, the Lakers, um, you know, treat last night like kind of a preseason game uh, to start. And the Nuggets just kind of turn through a regular season. Um, and that's essentially what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk some Nuggets. We're going to talk some Lakers. We're going to talk some league at large um, and and how wide open it is and, and why we think that might be the case. Uh, a lot to get to. So. Let's start with your Nuggets, though, because I think that's kind of a good a good um, icebreaker here. Uh, there's a lot going on, especially in the Western Conference, right? You have Kevin Durant newly added to the Western Conference. You have uh, the Lakers, you know, on on one hand, looking <laughs> like a uh, a a seventh seed, and then you know, on other nights, looking significantly better. People, I, I, if I had a dollar every time, they looked better than a seven seed. How many times? Like last night, I think uh, the the fourth quarter when they allowed seven points, like that looked all right. But like they also put themselves in a situation. I thought it was a perfect kind of amalgamation of their season. They waited too long to get there. They 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 made their margin for error razor thin, and then just kind of squeaked out at the end. Um, it was. But, a, I think I would agree with you that it was symbolic of their season, but I would say it's more. Um, they made mistakes left and right. They really didn't do anything right. Um, and then. Uh, okay. Okay. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, Minnesota, for various reasons, was forced to play very, very, very small for a large stretch and completely blew their lead. Lakers, but I, to me, like the Timberwolves looked like an eight seed is more than the Lakers looked like a seven seed last night. I mean, I. To me, I thought last night's game was very unimpressive on both on both accounts. Oh yeah, no, I mean, it was, I, a, game. It was a great game. The subject of of the conversation I had with Harrison afterwards was like, how can anybody have any confidence in this team moving forward? Like that, it's it's impossible to. Um, well, LeBron and yet people are still going to. That's the biggest thing is LeBron. To me, looked like he's. I mean, he he could not take over that game. He made plays. He wasn't a bad player. Yeah. But, 
Last night was a classic game where LeBron of three years ago, that game he just blows that game open in the second half, and it's not even close because there were yeah. so many opportunities to. And to me, he just looks like he's about sixty percent healthy. Yeah, yeah. Some of his turnovers last night were were legitimately concerning. He, the the one skip pass that he made, like he's the best skip pass thrower maybe maybe ever, right? Like it's between him and like Jokic is right there, and that's Harden. about it, really. All those guys, yeah. But uh, he had, you, you say he has two, but the one I'm thinking of that was super uncharacteristic, he goes on his back foot and he just kind of lobs one that lands in the middle of the defense. And, you know, you're just like, what? Even the one that worked out that he threw to AD was a Hail Mary, you know? Yeah. It was the most Hail Marys that I've ever seen yeah. LeBron throw, you know? It was a, a smart, that was a Hail Mary to Randy Moss. It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's a worthwhile Hail Mary, but... Um, but you're right. The skip pass, that was a pick six. That was a, yeah. there's some turnovers where a guy makes a diving catch, you know, or whatever. But this one was like, threw it right to him in stride to run the fast break. It was such an egregious turnover. And I'm with you. Like some of the stuff is health, his inability to maybe just bulldoze his way to the rim over and over, which I think he, again, in years past would have done. But turnovers like that to me, I'm like, man, that's not LeBron. That is such a yeah. weird, such a weird play by him. But, you know, they pulled it out. Um should have pulled it out in regulation, almost blew it anyway, um, and then won it in overtime. So, um, well, I mean, fortunately, you know, that the game was rigged for the Wolves, and you had that call on Conley that was kind of a ghost call. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, this, is, this is Lakers fantasy land, man. There's nothing they love more than this. Um, all right, I, I do want to uh, I do want to talk though about the, the the Nuggets. Like the point of all of this, as we as we hit that kind of awkward segue, was. Um, there's a lot going on in the conference. Like everywhere you look, there's the, every team has some storyline that, you know, has allowed, I think the nuggets to kind of float in under the radar, despite being the, the the one seed. And, um, I'm kind of curious, uh, a, if you agree with them kind of slipping in under the radar and B, if you think that's a good or a bad thing, like if you think, there needs to be there. There needs to feel like there's more urgency there from Hold a on, story you perspective. You don't think there's urgency? This is the thing, man. Everybody lives in their own bubble, including mm-hmm. you know Jokic fans. But it's but especially this year, in my opinion, Jokic haters or Nuggets haters, there is an enormous amount of pressure on the Nuggets. Nobody oh no, is there totally is positive things about the Nuggets right now. There is enormous amounts of pressure. So this idea of like, why is nobody saying that there's, why is nobody expecting anything in the Nuggets? They're the one seed. Of course there's expectations on them. Of course there's pressure. So to me, because this, this is all I see is why does, if this was another player, we'd be talking about his legacy. You guys think that there hasn't been legacy talk about Jokic all goddamn season long? It's, it's why there hasn't been. So much. It's exhausting. I'm not saying that there isn't, urgency within the nuggets to win like obviously there is what i'm saying though is that like the conversation if you watch espn how long does it take for the nuggets to get brought get brought up right like again no you're so wrong about this man because they are brought up every team gets whittled into one discussion other than the lakers lakers get dissected in every angle because they're popular team the nuggets are only talked about in one way and it's whether or not Jokic is the mvp and whether or not he's overrated and this or that the pressure on him is immense. He feels it. It's the it, and when you say it, they're not brought up, or you have to wait a while for it to be brought up. It's brought up every single day. 
in some fashion. It's just the same storyline. And I hate it because there's actually much more interesting things going on with the Nuggets. They should have pressure and Jokic should have pressure. So I'm, it's not a complaint about the pressure. It's a complaint about the fact that there is only one way of talking about him. And it is this pressure on Jokic. But then people somehow flip it and say, why doesn't he have pressure on him? And I just am like, this doesn't make sense. The conversation around him is so nonsensical that yeah. it's like it's it's uh, it's just too annoying. It has. It is. I, I would. I completely agree with you on on how stupid we talk about the guy. Yeah, Nick Wright says he has more pressure on him than anybody. I think Jalen Rose has said the same thing. Like high profile people, when they rank who has the most at stake in this playoffs, Jokic comes up number one or oh two for sure every single time. So and but then the conversation in every episode is why isn't there pressure on you? It's like it doesn't make sense, man. Well, but the I guess that's I guess that's where you and I are kind of having a hang up then because you're looking at it as the pressure on Jokic it gets extrapolated to the rest of the team, but I don't see like Nuggets talk and Nuggets expectations. It's all about Jokic, and and I I kind of wonder if if you look at that as uh like we see this with lebron teammates a lot right this this concern from teammates not to let him down that 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 his legacy is on the line and if we fuck up then it, it then it gets it winds up being a, a a knock on lebron or or it winds up impacting his legacy right if 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 josh smith misses a wide open three pointer that winds up being reflected on on LeBron, and and I think that's a really tiring, really annoying way to exist as a basketball player. Is everything that I do, uh, it it winds up affecting that guy. What about like me? What what about our team? Like how do how do we handle this? And I'm kind of curious, like yeah. how how you think you know Nuggets players handle handle how stupid the season has been there? Because I, I would agree with you, Adam, that it, it has been stupid with Jokic. Well, well, we had Blacko Chanchar on the DNBR Nuggets podcast like two weeks ago, and he mentioned this very thing. But what he said was, you know, for us, we all know Nikola is the one that's going to be judged for everything. Like he's going to be the one that gets credited or blamed. He said, but for us, we know we just have to make those shots. Like, and it's the same. It reminds me of LeBron passing to Donnell Marshall. Like players that can both score or pass – you know, their legacies come down to whether or not the guys make the great shots. I mean, last mm -hmm. night, the play of the game was LeBron's, what should have been the game-winning assist, where he yeah. drove the basket and passed to Schroeder. Well, Schroeder misses that one. It falls on LeBron. It's That's just yeah. the way it is for playmakers. So for Jokic, I think it's the same thing. But whether it's fair or not, I don't know. It, it, I think it actually is fair. Because if you're not going to be the dominant, like, take any type of shot player, then you do get credited or blamed by how well other guys make shots that you set up. Um, how confident are you then? Um, you know, we talk about the pressure with this, with this team. Um, they haven't been playing particularly well down the stretch. Once the game stopped mattering. And this has kind of been, I think a central aspect of, of the nuggets. I think they're so good that, um, and Jokic is, is really smart. Again, we see this from LeBron teams where, uh, they know exactly how much it takes to win a game and they don't go past that. And, right. and, and, and I think uh, there are some cases where they get caught doing that. Um, it makes the basketball itself more frustrating than say it has to be. Um, and then, you know, when you get to these games where the stakes get ratcheted up, uh, it, it becomes a matter of how quickly they can get back to exerting full energy and, and, and getting everybody to, to, to exert, exert their full energy. So, 
Um, how, how confident are you uh, now that the Lakers aren't going to be coming out of the eight spot? <laughs> uh, I mean, I would have been I would have been confident either way. I yeah. think the thing is with the Nuggets, they've never been in this. But there's two ways to describe what's happened to the Nuggets. The Nuggets have 46 years with the NBA. They've never once been a one seat. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is uncharted territory for the Denver Nuggets. And for this era, the Jokic Nuggets, you know, they've always been actually sprinting through the, the tape because they've always been in a position where they were like five the three, four, five seed. And it's like, Hey man, you really want to climb because you don't want to have to play on the road or whatever. So they've had to sprint through the finish line this year, a weird year. None of the teams in the West were good enough to push them. And they had an eight and a half game lead on the one seed four Mm -hmm. weeks ago. So much so that there, you couldn't realistically expect them to blow that. I mean, in all honesty, so they had none of that pressure chasing them. And then here's the other aspect. Three years ago, the bubble year, they were without Gary Harris their best mm-hmm. perimeter defender, and a starter. Two years ago, they were out without Jamal Murray. And one year ago, they were without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. So they have never gone into a playoffs in the Jokic era. Actually, the first year they did, but they were missing Will Barton, who's their sixth man. But over the last three years, they have not gone to the playoffs with their full starting five. So you look at a team that's never been in front before, and then you look at a team that has wasted essentially three seasons by being unhealthy, and you think, of course, their motivation is more about being healthy than about yeah. winning these games down the stretch. So to me, I look at that and I go, I don't love it. They don't have momentum. They haven't played a good basketball game in three weeks. But at the same time, prior to that, they were beating up on a lot. I think they have the second best record against playoff teams in the NBA. They've been very good against good teams all the way up until a month ago. Yeah, they get up. They get up for the good teams, you know, and 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 um, that is one of the the you know things I look for for really good teams is all right. What's their record against other good teams? Because that's who you face in the playoffs. Um, it looks like they are going to be playing one of New Orleans or uh, Minnesota. I, I think they handle either of those teams fairly easily, um, and then they have a, a series probably against Phoenix. Uh, and, you know, Kevin Durant specifically at a position now that the Nuggets are, I think, better equipped to guard that position, guard that kind of player than they have been, say, Ooh, in the Kevin past. Durant? Huh? Kevin Durant? Elite wings, you know, um, you know for, for a while there, like when the Lakers and Nuggets played in the playoffs in the bubble, right? I think that was pre-Aaron Gordon. It was Jimmy and, Grant, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, Grant, Grant, I think, played about as well as you maybe can there. Um, Grant winds up leaving for Detroit. Uh, the Nuggets go out and they get Aaron Gordon um, because that is a really important position. You know that wing defender is is critical. Um, but it's Kevin Durant, man. He's I think twenty six and two over his, or maybe twenty six and three over his last twenty nine games. Um, I think this is sound crazy. I think Kevin Durant might be underrated. <laughs> I, I think so. I think you're right. He has an extremely um, strong case for. I mean, some of the intangible stuff with me and him, like with him, I think is, I, I think is very real. Like there is a question for me about 
just just what kind of impact he makes under stress or this or that. But yeah. this has a talent. He might be the most impactful player in the NBA right now, and he just doesn't yeah. get discussed it like that way in large part because he's been hurt a lot over the last three years. Yeah. Um, how confident would you be going into that series? Uh, you know, I, I think I think I would have I would bet on Denver. It depends on the odds there, but but uh, I think I think Denver. There'd be well if they're if certainly if they're the, if they're betting underdogs, there's a lot of value there. But but I, I think that like clearly they have been the better team all year. Um, Phoenix, for all of the excitement about getting Kevin Durant, I think getting Kevin Durant clearly is a win. But it did cost a lot of wing depth, uh, some really important players there uh, that that you know tend to be even more important in the playoffs. So I think it'd be a fascinating series. How do you, how would you feel about that going into it? I would feel better than the betting odds will, will say. Um, I still think it'd be a coin flip series. And Phoenix has the ability to make Denver look really bad, as we saw four years ago. The thing Denver struggles with the most, obviously because of Jokic, is guarding pick and roll with pull-up three-point shooters. And by the way, I always point this out when people talk about Denver's playoff runs over the years. They've gone up against Steph Curry, the best at this, right? Pull-up pull yeah. up pick and roll. Yeah, that's, he's pretty good. Uh, Damian Lillard, pretty good. Donovan Mitchell, probably top five in the NBA at this. Um, and then Alex Lillard Caruso. Again. No, yeah, Alex Caruso. <laughs> but Denver's actually gone up against a lot of the best of these, and you know, and have won some, have lost some of, of those matchups. But to me, the thing that makes the Suns unique is that they have Devin Booker, who's an elite mid-range pull-up jump shooter. Chris Paul, mm -hmm. who's not this year, but traditionally has been, and who knows, in one playoff run, maybe is. And then Kevin Durant, who's probably the best mid-range pull-up jumper yeah. in the game. <laughs> they have three guys that are elite at the thing Denver is worst at. And this is why Suns will be the betting favorite. The thing that people don't talk about is the Suns only have four good players. Yeah, And I don't mean this – I'm not saying this rude. I'm just saying if you talk about an average playoff rotation player, they have four guys that are above the line. Three of them way above the line. But yeah. – but, well, the two of them. Is, they're still. I, I, don't, I wouldn't put Chris Paul in that category. Not this year. Well, we'll see what the playoffs hold. I mean, it's to me, I look at him like LeBron. Is he a great eighty-two game player anymore? Probably not. He's probably going to have to pick spots. Can he be great in the playoffs? I'm not betting against it yet, but maybe. And sometimes mm -hmm. the wheels fall off, and then when they do, that's when we see it. But to me, the thing Denver has is one: they did lose their length. And length is the thing that challenges Denver the most because you can't guard Jokic one-on-one -on -one, like you can't guard Embiid or any of the Giannis or any of these guys. You have to help, and helping with length is the best thing. If they're going to count on a Kogi, Torrey Craig, and you know all of these other guys that they throw out there as just these others, I'm sorry. Jokic, I think, will have his way in that series the same way Kevin Durant will, and now it just comes down to depth. So I think that series would be a fascinating one. could go either way. And um, I, I'm not as scared of it as I think most people are. In that, to to the point of the, like the macro discussion that I wanted to have with you, that's a four seed who would be the f betting favorite over the one seed. The right. the Lakers are a seven seed that are going to be possibly betting favorites, if not uh, pickums with 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 Memphis. Uh, you know, Golden State is heavy betting favorites against the uh, three seed Sacramento Kings, um, and then you know the four five seed. I think Phoenix is going to be uh, pretty heavy favorites against the Clippers, um, and and yeah, I, I think this year is is a fascinating one. Um, it's so wide open. I had uh, Howard Beck on the show last week. 
He's been doing this for 30 years. He said he's never seen anything like this ever. And, well, you know, we both yeah. had theories on, on like why this might be the case and why it's this wide open specifically in the Western conference. Um, there's, there's a lot, I think of meat on this bone. If, if, if you look at the league a certain way, I think everybody's going to have a take either positive or negative about why it's like this. But I'm curious, like from, from your vantage point, what lends itself to this kind of parody or mediocrity, depending on how you want to squint? To me, this is a simple one. And Howard Buck saying he hasn't seen anything like this. He'll see it more in the future, I think. This is a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a new yeah. thing. Which is how many Lakers games this year do you feel really told you how good the Lakers can be in the playoffs? How many games can you point to and say, look at this. This is what they really are based on both them and the opponent they played. Yeah, I I think there's probably a handful, maybe five or six because of health. Exactly. And with Denver, I'd say the same thing. If I'm really pointing to like, why do you think Denver's a good team? I can point to like 10 games Mohat max. The rest of them are. Oh, they played the Bucks, but there was no Giannis. And oh, they played, you know, this team and there was no that guy. And so for me, this is when you look at this season, this is the first season that turned me. I've always been a guy where I'm like, don't shorten the season. I love basketball. I don't want to get rid of it. And part of the season is the it's a marathon. How how many people can play tired? Like that's part yeah. of the challenge to me. This is the first year where I go, there's no saving it. Players just aren't going to play more than 65 games. Now yeah. that that's the awards mark, I think we're going to hit that every single time. <laughs> yeah. And to me, when you have everybody doing that, that means you're only going to have about 10 to 20 games that actually have full strength rested opponents. And as a result, what do you get? A bunch of teams that have the exact same record, um, which is what we have. Everybody's like, isn't this crazy? Everybody's within the same bunch. And I say, no, it's not that crazy, actually. Every team approached this the same way. And that means the margins to separate have gotten smaller. Yeah, I think I think that's a big factor in it. I think uh, I do think we're in, the, in in one of those weird spots where the older generation, the KDs, the LeBrons, the you know Currys, um, they are about to hand off the baton to the next generation, and that means that you know there's more superstar talent I think around the league than there than there would normally be, um, and and also like those guys tend to be at the bottom of the conference because those guys are going to play fewer. Well, normally you're still, you're, you're having load management with 25 year olds. So I don't know, but, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. But, so. And you're hinting on one of the other aspects of this, which is players are playing longer, but the later you get into your career, the more you need to take care of your body. And, yeah. and I think that's one of the consequences of these longer seasons is that, yeah, you kind of cater more to your veteran players than you do to your younger players who would more likely fill up the 82 game schedule this is where it gets kind of frustrating because it's clearly a problem but it's a problem that doesn't have a realistic solution the league the players the union they don't want to they don't want to shorten the season because that could potentially shrink the pie um everybody always says why don't you just lengthen the season in terms of calendar days but players don't want to do that because they love their off seasons that means that 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 means it's that much longer that they have to stay in shape and that's not something that they're interested in so if there isn't a, a, a kind of pragmatic solution here, um, other than I've seen some people talk about a bye week, but that usually takes lengthening the season and, 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 or, or, you know, forcing more back to backs. 
the league is trying to get after it by forcing superstars, especially to play at least 65 games to be eligible for the big awards. Um, cool. Everybody's going to miss 17 games every year. Uh, so if everybody's going to miss 17 games, and by the way, the league saying 65 games kind of feels like it's saying the quiet part out loud. Like everybody the knows it should, be, it, should, <laughs> it should be a 65 game season. And they're just like, nope, nope, this is, this is how long we need everybody for. But we need those extra 17 games so that the RSNs aren't completely useless. I mean, of course it is. I mean, this is the difference between David Stern and Adam Silver is that I really believe David Stern was caring solely about the health of the league to the best of his ability, like what is good for the league. And I think yeah. Adam Silver is largely thinking what is right, like what is the right way to do a, a thing here. And you start to get, like you said, saying the quiet pollard out loud. What I would say is when you're starting to have to make these rules because players aren't taking your league seriously, they aren't understanding the responsibility they have to lead yeah. the league in a good place, then you're starting to just like create these things, these systems that can be gamed and can be broken. And that's what I think we have. Like if you look at baseball, baseball went through a 20 year analytics revolution that led to the game becoming a bit stale because yeah. you can kind of turn it into a science and say, well, we're going to do this. We're going to create a shift and we're going to play this way with this type of batter. There is and nothing almost, worse in a sport than the players and the teams figuring it out. That's, figured, that's the worst it's thing. It's true. And so this year, the, the baseball, they weren't thinking about what was right. They were just like, the game sucks. How do we make it better? The yeah. bases like, I don't care. Let's just do something to make the game take away these, these margins. And I think with the NBA, when you're not addressing the core problem, you're addressing the symptoms of the core problem, you're just going to find teams that keep figuring out, okay, well, where's the edge on this new rule? And that's what we have. So to me, some of this is legislative. The NBA could have done some things, I think, to make it. Like they tried to make the plan. Oh, because we want to get rid of tanking. Well, the plan is also flattened the urgency of the regular season. That's why the yeah. Lakers aren't trying to be the seven seed or the eight seed. They're trying to be the somewhere in the play-in because then they still have a chance. So I think that this is part of it. And here you're going to think I'm pandering to your audience and I'm not. I honestly think the NBA as a whole would be in a meaningfully different place if Kobe were still around. Because yeah. I think a lot of the changes are cultural, not necessarily like you can't just legislate them out. You need someone to stick up and say, this all-star game sucks. You guys are all a bunch of wussies because you don't take, you know, you yeah. sit there and say you need money to be motivated or none of you motivated. <laughs> that, that was, that was an all-time bad luck. That, that, that oh, quote. Blair, I way. love was Alexander, by the way. I love Shay. I just Me like, too. Me I too. That was, a, that was a moment of like, you know, that was a moment of, hey, what are we doing here at the end of the day? But it's not just that's that's an easy example, the All-Star game, which doesn't really matter. But you can say it same for just playing games. Isn't there a sense of pride? Like, isn't there this idea of, well, I'm not necessarily worried about just this one thing. I want to go at guys. I get to play in the NBA and I have a sense of pride. And then the last part that I think Kobe genuinely understood was you're gifted a league that took 50 years to create to the yes. level that it is. All mm -hmm. these players came in. And built it up so about the, by the time they left, they handed it off in, in, in a better place. The NBA players of today are benefiting from that more than ever. And it's fine. They should benefit from it. A league should grow. Totally. But you have to understand the flip side, which is you have a responsibility to make sure this thing is great and meaningful. And I To just continue Kobe, to grow. And I think if Kobe was here, he was still around, I think he would be – of the many things I think he would be vocal about, that's one of them about, hey, guys, what is this? Call call a Kawhi Leonard out. Call some of these guys out and say, are yeah. you resting for real? Yeah, I, well, 
the the quote that comes to mind is actually Shaq about Ben Simmons. Um, when Simmons wasn't playing and there was, you know, there was a holdout there and Shaq said, said exactly kind of what you're, you're hoping players would say. Problem is Shaq is on TV two, three times a week. He has his own podcast and I think eventually it becomes a, a quality over quantity thing. He's it also, does sort of, but it, he's also the worst messenger. He also got yeah, company time at the start of training camp because he gets healed on company time or whatever. Yeah. But also, and I, this is, is an interesting point. Who did he call out? Ben Simmons. No, that's this is this is like ben this Simmons is part of what I'm talking games. about. It's like it, NBA players are like, oh yeah, talk about that guy. But like it's not it's not a central figure in the league. He's gonna be out of the league in a couple of years. Um it's also the easiest guy to go after because it's the most like black and white. The most we can say, hey, this is a guy that is not upholding. But there's other guys on the scale that are harder to call out that yeah. that that's who you need to call out. It's easy to kick on Ben Simmons, man. Yeah, um, I agree. Totally agree. I totally agree. And I, and, and I do think like the other thing too, is I don't think Shaq holds the gravita in, in the league that, that Kobe did. Kobe is okay. people still wear Kobe shoes. Like of, of the non, like, yeah, of the non, uh, it's the most popular shoe in the NBA, right? There are a few signature shoes that are out there. What's that? I think Kobe Bryant is the most influential basketball player to current NBA basketball players by a wide margin. I mean, it's no longer Michael Jordan. And it's definitely not LeBron James or Kevin Durant. It's the Curry guys they all look up to. I think Kobe right now is the guy that most people respect. And by the way, I've said this, maybe I've said this on your show before, but I actually think the way there's a weird players are a proxy for some reason are a proxy for all of these other um, controversies race black versus white europe mm-hmm. versus america uh analytics versus eye test players that have nothing to do with it they just play a game they get projected i mean Jokic is obviously at the heart of all of a lot of these projected mm-hmm. and i've always said i think kobe would have been a guy that breaks that bridge because kobe yeah. is an american player who plays a non-analytics game an eye test game but yeah. he's also has an appreciation for european background European, a European background and just an appreciation in general for European athletes and outside influence. So I think he would have been a guy that maybe the only guy that could have bridged the gap and probably would have looked at a lot of these discussions around a Giannis, around a Jokic and said, you guys don't know what the hell you're talking about. Shut up. <laughs> I like that you're looking at me when, I, when, you, when, you, when you make that point. Um, but I, I, I do think, like, I think the league can go in one of two ways here. As it pertains to especially the the European or the or the the foreign part of the game, and the American part of the game, either you do really try to immerse yourself in the global aspect of the game, and you try to make NBA conversations. I don't know how you legislate conversation, but you try to make it smarter as it pertains to those non-American players. It's particularly within your own league, right? Because, like. The, the conversations that people have about uh, about foreign players, it's born within the league. Like the, the, the way that guys look at Giannis where he doesn't have a bag, like that starts with, with American players who have a bag and yet aren't as impactful. Um, we talk about Jokic and, and his impact on the game and him <laughs> being able to do that uh, despite not looking like the kind of player who has typically dominated the game, like that foreign aspect of it, not just him not being American, but the foreign aspect of, of, and the novelty of 
somebody looking like that dominating the game the way that he does, people can't wrap their heads around it because that isn't how it's traditionally been and I've been done. And I don't think people are, are have ever quite been ready to have that conversation. So either of those conversations get smarter or you go the other way where you lean into, all right, fine. It's America versus everybody else. Ryder cup it at the all-star weekend. Like, like yeah. dude, just tr try that out, you know, and, and, and see if, if at the very least you can squeeze a rivalry out of this, not, not this kind of kind of straddling the fence nonsense that we kind of find ourselves in right now. Well, that, that's the thing is I do think that there is a healthy amount of that. I mean, when we talk about a New York versus DC, you know, who has the better point guards, you know, like yeah. that's a, that's a fun rivalry, LA or Chicago, like who has the better, you know, whatever. There's a funness to that. Like, no, yeah. our style, we create this type of player. You create that type of player. I, I can't, there's something cool about that, but it's pretty clearly LA is, is winning this one. Right now, but yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty It's a massive market, but yeah. you could say, you could say though, another thing about Kobe that's so interesting with this specific thing is Kobe didn't necessarily just embrace, you know, like, Oh, I love European play. This is how I'm going to do it. You know, he called Pau Gasol the white swan. He needs the black swan. There was a little bit of, Hey, you're good at this thing, but you need yeah. what I got. Like you, your Spanish style. Is he cool. wasn't wrong. You need a little Philly in your life, you know, like this. Yeah. Way. And then also another way Kobe embraced it through competition. Kobe Bryant popularized the Dirk Nowitzki fadeaway. Dirk mm -hmm. Nowitzki did not popularize it. He invented it, but nobody yeah. was doing it. He did it for five, six, seven years before anybody else did it. Kobe took it. And I just think there would be a similarness to Kobe in his conversation about you guys all rag on Luca, but why don't you take this from his game? You guys rag on Giannis, but why don't you take this from his game? You rag on Jokic. You should be taking this from his game. Like, yeah. These are things where like they're doing something better than you. Why not try to steal that and be yeah. better than them at it rather than just say that's a lesser form of a thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was to me what made Kobe Kobe was that he happily acknowledged, oh, yeah, I totally stole from Michael. I stole oh, from yeah. Elgin. I, I totally stole. And, and, and he like he, he, he acknowledged it, made him a better player because those are like – if you want to be a great basketball player, you aren't going to be born with the best at any, at everything, right? Unless you're LeBron. But like, I, when it, when it comes to like the process of getting great at a thing, you borrow stuff from other people. You see it in music, you see it in art, you see it in this, right? Like the people who do things great, see other people doing cool stuff and say, huh, I want to try that. And, and there's that, there's that curiosity that I think a lot of American players are kind of lacking here. It's shit. I think we could probably say the same thing about European, European players who lack the curiosity to include some of the stuff that American players are great at, right? right. Luca at some point is going to have to get in shape. Like it's, it, it's probably going to have to happen. And, and hundred percent. And, and so like, I, I think, yeah, it's, 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 it, it, it is funny. We have these societal conversations or, or like you said, we try to extrapolate societal conversations from sports, but I really feel like we missed the point of what the, the conversations that we should right. be having about them. And, right. and this is a really good example of it. Um, you are super busy. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh, last thing before we get you out of here, if the Lakers and Nuggets face, it would have to be in the Western <laughs> Conference it would have to be in the Western Conference Finals. I don't think the Lakers get there. I, I thought maybe the Lakers had a path before last night, but last night really kind of terrified me. Um, if it happens, uh, 
how confident would you be on a scale of one to oh god like one yeah, being like all right I, they got this or oh god. Yeah. i mean if they would have matched up in the first round i would have been like a 60 40 or somewhere around there 57 43 where i thought denver had a better chance it's still lebron and anthony davis but like i said i just lebron doesn't look healthy to me and that's yeah. the biggest thing and then again as we saw last night the month of march to me it was the most uneven of the nba season there were teams like denver that just didn't try for an entire month and then there were yeah. teams like the lakers who tried so hard had and to. then you would look at that and be like wow the lakers are surging well maybe or maybe they just had a huge motivation advantage yeah they had to and then you look at last night, both teams highly motivated, and they both looked bad. They didn't yeah. both look good. They both looked kind of, you know, like, okay, there's some players on this team that aren't on each team that aren't very good and, and this or that. So I would be confident. But then you act, add in the part of if the Lakers make the Western Conference Finals, they probably have galvanized over the course of the first two rounds. But at the same time, they've also probably worn down. Le yeah. This is my biggest critique of LeBron or critique. My biggest skepticism of LeBron is – when fully healthy, which I don't think he is, but when fully healthy, he can still be the best player on earth for a game, maybe for two, maybe even for a series. I don't think he can be for four series in a row anymore. I just don't think yeah. he has that stamina in him. And same goes for Anthony Davis. Whereas Denver, who looked like the best team in the NBA for month-long stretches, you know, or at least in the S tier of, of NBA teams for month-long stretches, hasn't recently. If they made it to the conference finals, it likely means that they have regained that form and even gone further. So to yeah. me, if they met in the finals or the conference finals, I would be pretty confident about Denver. Yeah, I think that's about where I land too. That four series, like LeBron and AD haven't stayed healthy for two straight months in three years. Even the year that they won a championship, it was a month-long break in between them you know, playing in the regular season and then having a sprint towards the finals there. That's why... Heading into the the the, the bubble, I, I I was supremely confident in the Lakers because I was like, that's what they're built for. LeBron and AD are built for the sprint, not and, a and sprint on the other side of a marathon, but just a sprint. And and I think right now they're looking at, at a sprint on the other end of a marathon. And I, I it really makes me nervous about how they're able to to hold up. I hope I'm wrong. I I, I would love to see that series. I think it'd be a fascinating yeah. one. But but I, I don't I, know if we're necessarily. Lakers don't it. have that many good. I mean, like the Suns. I mean, let's just assume LeBron and AD are the best versions of themselves, which is a healthy assumption. They're really good players. So they'll probably yeah. step up. But you're talking about counting on a lot of guys that just have never proven to be playoff performers, even as role players. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Malik Beasley shoots the ball incredibly well. Is he going to shoot the ball well? In Memphis, this series. I was talking with Harrison this morning. I think he's going to be on the outside of the rotation. I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's, he's going Jared to Vanderbilt, be a part like, of the eight-man rotation. Jared Vanderbilt in the fourth quarter or something getting fouled and going to the line. Are you confident that he's going to shoot his season average from the line, which is already not very good? That means people are going to be close enough to Vanderbilt to foul him. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, all of these. Like, you start to get into a playoffs where it's like, okay, we're going to force the Lakers to have to give the ball to so and so, or play this way, or dribble this way, whatever it is. And I just think the Lakers have too many sort of shortcomings in that regard. And so, and then, yeah. so there's a million reasons for me to kind of doubt them. And then on top of that, you mentioned the bubble, but the no travel aspect of it was huge too. And a sneaky part of the first round matchup going to Memphis, that's the longest flight they could have possibly had. Yeah. They have, they have the longest cross country too. back and forth. So they're actually going to have a lot of travel on this series. And you have a young team in Memphis, probably not going to bother them at all. You have an old team in the Lakers probably makes at least a little tiny bit of difference. Uh, 
Keith was joking on the playback thing that I did with him last night that they are going to make they're going to give like three days between each game in that series just to just to see how long they can make it. I can look, man. I could definitely see it. And by the way, Sacramento Golden State, that's the shortest flight in the NBA. So Draymond was hoping for it. Like that was that was specifically what Draymond was hoping for. And there's and I'm telling you, older players, that is a big deal when you have to take a four hour flight. What is L.A. to Memphis? Three and a half hours. Yeah, probably pretty close. At least three, three you know, because it's it's two and a half from here, Austin, back home. Um, And it's another hour. It's like an hour long, 45 to an hour flight from here to Memphis. You know, so it's it's around there. Sized flight. And I just Memphis should be an East Eastern Conference team. Like (laughs) they need to add two teams on the West and then move Memphis back to the East. That's that's so true. All right. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, dude. Uh, always a pleasure talking to you. I- I'm telling you guys, I don't think there is a team covered as well by a specific entity as DNVR covers uh, the Denver Nuggets and teams out there in Denver. You guys, I remember, I, I'll, I'll never forget you coming to me with the idea that you guys were thinking about doing this and watching it go from a conversation to what it is now. Um Really, really great work there. Check out their their documentary. Right, was it a thousand threads, a hundred invisible 100. threads. Yeah, documentary yeah. on Serbian basketball history, which is pretty cool. And then yesterday we had Calvin Booth on the show. So Nuggets general manager I had some really interesting stuff. But again, I don't know if it's interesting to Lakers fans. I I find all of it interesting. I, I I find. I mean, I'm obviously that puts us in this spot. But but still, like I think if if you want to look at a league the best you can do was to look at the localized coverage of each part of the league. And, right. uh, and, and I think that's what gets the, the, the story best told. So thanks again, bud. Uh, I, best of luck on these playoffs. And uh, I guess we'll maybe see each other in the Eastern or in the Western conference uh, finals. <laughs> that would be wild. That would be really wild. <laughs> Nuggets Lakers Western conference finals would be wild. How dumb would the conversation around it be? Would you just like not participate? No. I mean, here's the thing. It would have been really dumb in the first. It's the only reason I didn't want to play the Lakers in the first round is I just thought it would be such an annoying conversation. I would have to yeah. suffer through. And then obviously if they lost, it would be even it would go down several stories. But in the conference finals, at least you're over the hump to where it's like, okay, it's the final four. Like the yeah. narrative swings become a little bit they'll still be ridiculous, but they would be a little bit less. Yeah. All right. Well, best of luck, dude. We'll talk to you soon.